I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 185 for the weekend starting 28 July 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, MTN plunges on earnings update. Plus the curious case of EOH's share price. Blue Label wraps up the CellC deal. Telcom versus Vodacom on fiber. And Facebook moves to monetize WhatsApp and Messenger. It's Friday, and that means it's time for another podcast. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. It's uh, been a busy week this week. Yeah, it's crazy. Lots going crazy. on. Lots going on, which is good for us because it means there's lots of uh, tech news to talk yes. about in our podcast. But before we get to that, let's do our quiz. Do you want to kick it off? Yes, the first question in this week's uh, quiz. Following the news that Andile Ngaba's conversion partners has sold its stake in Dimension Data Middle East and Africa, the IT services company plans to do a new BEE deal for its South African business. When must it conclude this deal by? Question two, Telcom this week won a high court case against rival Vodacom, which was accused of installing fiber in its ducts in which Cape Town residential estate? The third question, which top female U.S. technology executive is rumored to be f- to be a frontrunner to take over as CEO of Uber? Johannesburg Finance MMC Rabalani Degada has promised that the city's broken billing system will be fixed by when? And the last question in this week's uh, quiz, another German software company has joined SAP in being caught up in alleged kickback scandal involving the Guptas. What is the name of this company? That's our quiz this week. Not the easiest set of questions we've had. No, no. <laughs> um, but we'll get to the answers to those at the end of this. Double podcast. points in this week's uh, quiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly some of those questions are a bit on the tough side. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's almost weekended. And it's time to podcast and talk news. And there's ha- a lot has happened this week. Uh, it's, um, uh, you know, uh, Telcom won a high court case against Vodacom. MTN share price fell through the floor. Mm. EOH's share price has been all over the place. Blue Label did its CELC deal. Plenty, plenty to talk sure. about. We're going to get on to all of that. But in case you missed it, we've had some great podcasts this uh, week as well. Um, uh, on the on our sister podcast, the Tech Central podcast, where we interview interesting people in the ICT space in South Africa. And uh, there's two, I, I think, that are worth going to have a listen to if you haven't yet. And the, one of those is with uh, the guys from Project Ubu, which is this uh, plan to create, yeah. create a cryptic, a cryptic, a cryptocurrency um, and store of value uh, that um, is is meant to serve as almost a um, what do you call it? A they call it a universal basic income for people. So yes, the idea yes. is that that unutilized capital is reallocated into this. I'm not quite sure what how exactly that's going to work, but um, it's a very interesting conversation by these uh, interview uh, with these guys and. Um, they certainly know their stuff around cryptocurrency. So if uh, that's your thing and you're interested in that sort of project and how it could potentially uh, impact the poor, it's uh, worth going to have a listen to that one. They've got, some, they've got some very interesting ideas and there's some very interesting people behind uh, Project Ubu. I keep wanting to say Ubuntu. Project <laughs> Ubu. And Ubuntu. the other, other one I think that's worth a listen is uh, my interview uh, this week with Rabalani Degada, who is the MMC or member of the mayoral committee for the city of Johannesburg. He's... Um, Basically, uh, Herman Mashaba's right-hand man in the city of Joburg. And that was quite a wide-ranging interview, talking about the city's billing system, um, why it's taking longer to fix than mm. they thought, 
uh, plans for broadband in the city, um, uh, plans for Wi-Fi rollout, etc., uh, etc. Et so, uh, if you're a resident of Joburg, um, I think you'll find that podcast particularly interesting in terms of what the DA-led administration has got planned for the city. And so those are the Tech Central podcasts, uh, which you should definitely go and check out. But let's get on to this week's news. And um, I thought let's start with MTN, Rechot, because it mm. is so topical. So on Thursday, uh, they uh, issued a trading update. They're going to actually be publishing their results next week, uh, Wednesday, I think it is, the 3rd of August. Uh, and uh, that's for the uh, six months to the end of, the end of June 2017 interim results and um, they've indicated they're going to report a profit from a loss at the full year period Um, and this uh, profit is because they don't have all those extraordinary items um, uh, working into the system uh, like the Nigerian fine, Mm, the mm. costs associated with negotiating the Nigerian fine etc. So they're going to record a profit of between I think it was 210 and 230 cents per share. Uh, and that's the headline, the HEPs or headline earnings per share number. Um, the share price went tumbling down on the back of this uh, earnings update. Uh, and um, at one stage, I think it was down around about 10%. Mm. Uh, so it clearly fell short of what analysts um, and investors had been expecting them to to uh, to produce. I went back and had a look at the HEPs numbers for MTN two years ago, the 2015 interim period. So uh, the, same, the same six-month period uh, just back in 2015. And... Um, the uh, HEPs numbers uh, are going to be between 65 and 68% lower than they were then. And that was before the Nigeria fine, the Nigeria debacle sure. happened. Mm. So um, their, their headline earnings numbers are, are down two-thirds from the same period before the Nigeria situation happened. So it would suggest that operationally they're not doing very well. Yeah, it's certainly, and, uh, if, yeah, it's not the kind of numbers you want to see from uh, from one of the biggest operators in the country, right? Sure. I not in this time of the year. I, 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 yeah, I mean, especially given that their rivals are doing so well. Um, I mean, Telcom's, you know, Telcom's numbers came off a bit uh, after their last set of results, but that wasn't so much to do with the um, financial performance of the company. It was more to do with the fact that they announced they were going to really up their um, capital expenditure, spend more money building their networks, fiber, all that sort of thing. Mm. So in a way, it was positive because they're investing for the future. Vodacom put out their numbers and their share price has been touching record highs. Um, Cell C uh, is also uh, seems to be moving in the right direction, and of course they're getting they're being recapitalized now with the blue label deal, mm. and their net their net debt is being reduced to below six billion rand from twenty three billion rand. So uh, they're going to be in a much stronger position with a, a better balance sheet that will allow them to compete more effectively. Uh, so, uh, in many respects, MTN does look a bit like the odd one out here, and that its operational performance is not looking so good. And that's for any number of reasons. Um, The South African operation uh, has been, you know, uh, hasn't had the greatest time with the number of um, CEO changes they've been through over the last three or four years. Um, There does seem to be stability coming into that MTN South Africa operation now, um, but it's probably going to take some time to to start to see the the fruits of that. Yeah, yeah. and of course, Nigeria, um, beyond just the fine, is a seriously troubled economy, um, very reliant on oil. And of course, the oil price is sitting down at $50. When it was up at $150, they were doing fantastically. But that economy has been in recession, I think, now for eight consecutive quarters, if I, if I recall correctly, uh, reading it this week. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so good. that's their biggest market, and um, it's in, in serious recession. Um, Iran's doing a bit better. 
but um, two of their biggest markets are uh, are not doing very well. So, um, and in, in South Africa, particularly, they're facing very very powerful, very strong competitors who are doing very very well at the moment. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So MTN in a difficult position, um, but I suppose these numbers do show that they've put the the worst pain behind them now, and that mm-hmm. was uh, obviously the regulatory issues. Um, so. Presumably, it's you know from here on out, Rob Shooter and you know the new management team at the group level uh, are going to start to turn things around, and that operational numbers should start to improve. But the, these things, especially for a company the size of MTN Group, yeah, the, these things take time. Uh, so shareholders um, knocking that share price lower on Thursday, and. Um, yeah, I mean, lots of corporate news this week, actually. Lots of shit talk about share prices in financial markets. <laughs> e- yeah. e- EOH, uh, EOH is a really, I've been watching this company's share price with a great deal of interest over the last few weeks. Um, they, it's really come down dramatically. You know, not long ago, the company was trading, I think, at around 180 Rand a share. Today, or on Thursday, rather, it fell uh, below uh, 100 Rand. It actually, tumbled, 104 Rand. Yeah, it tumbled all the way down to 96 Rand oh. uh, earlier on Thursday morning. Um, massive gyrations. The share price was actually down around 10%, over 9% at one point. Uh, the company then issued a, a statement uh, to shareholders, or to stakeholders as they put it, uh, and the share price uh, shot back up again and at one point actually went positive. Um, so these are incredible gyrations for a share price. Very unusual to see this sort of level of duration, especially given that there was no real news in the market. Mm. Um, it's, it's unclear why investors have turned so bearish on EOH. Uh, you know, this company has delivered robust earnings growth. I mean, we're talking 20, 30, 40% EPS growth consistently for 10 or 15 years. Oh, that's, um, that's good. That's very good. Um, I mean, some investors have even said, how is this possible? And, you know, there's a, there is a, quite a bit of skepticism about the how exactly they've managed to do this. You know, they issue script for for acquisitions and a lot of people question whether that's a sustainable model and um, they suggest that maybe it's going to come back and, and bite them at some point. It, ha- it hasn't yet, um, although the share price, the way the share price has come off would suggest that the market is, is pricing in, if not disaster, certainly pricing in a, a dramatic slowing down of the earnings growth that this company has reported historically. Uh, so. Um, the, I think there, there, there are a number of issues that are they're putting pressure here. I think one is that the founding CEO, Asher Bobot, stepped down last month. Um, mm. I think it was unexpected that he was going to leave. Because um, it causes some uncertainty. It does indeed. So he's left. Um, and it, it's unclear. You know, he wasn't that old. It's not clear why he, why he stepped down. Perhaps it was health-related. I don't know. I'm speculating there. But he's, um, he's, uh, he's gone, and um, the new CEO is Zunaid Mayet. Now, I've spoken to analysts, and um, you know, the, the, the general view is that the management, they've made the, they did the right thing in the way they handled the succession here. Mm. You know, they've appointed, um, they've promoted uh, internal people rather than going externally to find a new CEO. Uh, they've got a, they had a strong leadership team around Asha Bobot, and those people are still in place. Mm. Um, you know, Zenaid Mayet knows the group very well, has been there for many years, and, uh, and has now been promoted into the leadership position. So anyway, they, the group issued a statement uh, this afternoon, uh, you know, with the share price going all over the place. Uh, and uh, they said that with the assistance of an independent legal firm, they've now conducted a review and are satisfied that the insinuations published in newspaper reports are false and untrue, and we have repudiated them in the strongest terms. Now, the latest bout of um, weakness in the share came about when Business Report on its website published 
uh, what I thought was a very poorly written article, uh, basically rehashing uh, what uh, Amar Mungani, uh, which is investigative mm. journalism mm. unit, uh, published and published by the Daily Maverick earlier this year. They basically rehashed a whole bunch of allegations and then said that they've had a whole bunch of other stuff that's on the company and look out for this because we're going to publish it and... Uh, um, you know, uh, you know, this was on the 18th of July. They said in the coming days we're going to be publishing um, exposés on EOH, and the share price fell through the floor on that day, prompting sure, the company yeah, to yeah. issue a statement. I think at one point it fell 12%. It was back on the 18th of July. The business report story was very poorly written, um, and it almost read as if someone there had an agenda. Mm. Uh, anyway, the share price plummeted on that day on the back of that. It, we came up a bit again when they issued another statement repudiating the uh, uh, allegations that were published originally by Amar Bungani. Um, and, but there's been nothing since then. That was, so that was on the, uh, when was that, uh, 10 days ago that, um, no, a week, yeah, 10 days yeah, ago that article yeah. was published on the 18th of, of July. And today the share price went into free fall and there's no clear um, view of why this happened. Uh, there was no new news in the market. There were no newspaper reports. Anyway, certainly not any newspaper reports that I could find that could have pointed to this. So it, it just seems that the investors are incredibly nervous about this company uh, and uh, and where it's going. Their um, financial results should, are out in around September. Um, I think their uh, reporting period is to the end of July. So they're, uh, they're right against that reporting period now. Um, and um, so we'll have a clearer indication then of, of how they're performing. I'm not expecting the numbers to be terrible. Um, th- there's no indication that those numbers are going to, f- you know, that the growth that we've seen in EOH historically is, 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 not, is not going to continue, mm, mm. certainly not through this reporting period. Uh, so, you know, I think there's, there's fear about what, um, the fear about the departure of Asher Bobot. I think people are really worried that, you know, the founding CEO who, you know, was, is still relatively young, uh, suddenly yes, steps yes. away. Um, and we don't, we don't know the real reasons why he stepped down. We can only speculate. Mm. It's just uh, uncertainty that's causing it's the uncertainty. Yeah. It's uncertainty. And, th- and then there's, there's the uncertainty around, and I think people are so jittery about this Gupta leak stuff and, uh, you know, any smell of corruption around a company now and uh, the, the share price gets mm. sold off heavily. Mm. Uh, I think with, especially with a weak economy as well, uh, any, any sign of bad news out of a company, companies get punished uh, instantly for, for that. And, and so I think that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing it with other IT co- companies as well. I mean, Adapt IT is another high-flying oh, yes, yes, yeah. tech services company that's done incredibly well, kind of similar model to the EOH, buying companies to grow, growing both organically and through. Yes. Their share prices come off um, very dramatically this year. Um, I think that was largely on the concern of, sl- of a slowdown in their organic growth numbers. I think they'd fallen to about 4%, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, whereas historically they've been much higher than that. But um, the share price was knocked back heavily, I think, uh, it's sitting at just below 10 Rand now. I think it was sitting up at around 16 Rand earlier this year. Mm. Um, so that's mm. come back heavily as well. So, you know, one misstep in this market and uh, your shareholders punish you badly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's something you want to happen. Mm. But uh, Yeah. So EOH, um, you know, I think people, investors are concerned about this noise around p- possible corruption, um, whether there's any basis to it and the EOH is there isn't um, or not. You know, just the, the whiff of it. I think sends people scurrying. Oh yeah, um, we've been burned before in South Africa. I think mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, standing up for it. People yeah. are starting to realise. Hang on, we need to yeah. we need to address this. 
So, you know, very, a company that's historically go, grown EPS at 20 30%, 40% is now sitting on a price earnings multiple of 13. Uh, if you believe this company is, 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 fund, is fundamentally strong, has no issues with it, has good management, and is not involved in dodgy dealings, then at this share price, it's 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 a, it's a bargain. Um, mm, if you're mm. if you're a, 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 an investor with an appetite for risk, you buy into this, you could make a very healthy return. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's just hope somebody isn't using this to make uh, some healthy returns off the back of some fake news <laughs> style articles. We've seen that movie before. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, but uh, interesting times at EOH. I'm going to be watching the share price uh, with a great deal of interest. Um, you know, I don't, I don't usually watch uh, all the sector share prices that closely, but EOH mm. I've uh, added to my dashboard and keeping a close eye on it each day, especially after the gyrations on Thursday. I mean, it was remarkable. Yeah, Down yeah. almost 10% at one point, then swinging all the way back into the black and then coming back a bit. I, I'm not sure what the share Let me have a look. You'll have to be on the trading floor to see what uh, spurred these on. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely remarkable. Uh, uh, swings in the share price. Um, and uh, just to make it a trifecta um, of uh, financial news, <laughs> uh, Blue Label, uh, I went to the um, uh, I went to the uh, shareholder meeting, general meeting of shareholders at their offices in, in at 75 Greyston Road in Santon uh, on Wednesday. And uh, that the, the recapitalization of Cell C, which will see Blue Label buying 45% of the mobile sure. operator for five and a half billion rand, approved by shareholders uh, and so that deal is going ahead um, so nice huge 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 deal for both uh, blue label and for Celsius mm. uh, and another one both those companies bear watching um, mark uh, levy the co-ceo saying at the shareholder meeting that the intention is to list Celsius on the jsc within the next three to five years okay um We'll no doubt be seeing Celsius um, audited, audited, full audited numbers from now on anyway. Mm, mm. Um, but they'll be listing uh, on the JSC at some point in the future. Uh, very big deal. Um, yeah, uh, um, you know, risk taking by businessmen. I mean, it's, um, it's you know, Celsius future fortunes aren't guaranteed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to have to box clever. They're going to have to, I mean, they're coming up against two bigger players. Certainly one of those rivals is, is weakened at the moment. That's mm, MTN. Mm. Um, but they've got new management at MTN. MTN's going to turn around. And of course, Vodacom is firing on all cylinders. Uh, competing with those uh, companies is not going to be the easiest. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've always found the Levy brothers uh, to be very wily, smart guys. Uh, um, who uh, execute. So um, I think we're going to be seeing some interesting products coming to market oh, yeah. um, from oh, yeah. Celsius going forward. And uh, I think it'll probably be good for consumers as well. No, there's no doubt that this industry is, is I think, where the big bucks is. You know, if, if, if you are talking about uh, investment of millions and billions, mm-hmm. I'd spend my money on the telecommunications industry yes. over and over, you know, rather than most other industries, I guess. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they have in store. For yeah, for sure. For Celsius. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Lots more to talk about, but we need to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. 
Running a business keeps you on your toes. Wouldn't it be great if your internet connection could keep up? Introducing Business Class Fiber from Vox. It's super fast, reliable, and highly cost-effective. You get unlimited calls to all SA destinations, and it's scalable. So no matter the size of your business, you've still got room to grow. Get connected with Business Class Fiber from Vox and see what super fast internet really means. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to Talk Central. How's it, Rechot? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. Um, so, did you see this uh, case that Telcom won against Vodacom this week in the High Court in the Western Cape? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it was a um, estate, and here's one of the answers to our quiz questions. It was a re- residential estate in Western Cape, somewhere near uh, Somerset West, I believe. Um, some upmarket residential estate called Denagir. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened, uh, in very brief summary, is that um, uh, there was a, a tender uh, to deploy fiber in this estate, and Vodacom was selected by the estate to deploy the fiber. And what happened was that um, Vodacom allegedly uh, used the existing ducting owned by Telcom to pull the fiber into the houses. <laughs> it seems like a perfectly fair thing to do. Why do you want to dig up when you can use existing holes in the ground, right? The problem is they didn't get permission from Telcom. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky era. But, and um, uh, this is Telcom's property. Um, so Telcom, uh, the high court found in favor of Telcom and said this absolutely cannot happen and Vodacom, you must get rid of your fiber immediately. Uh, so, you know, um, my guess is that the homeowners didn't want, the estate didn't want Vodacom to trench the place. So they told Vodacom, you must put it through the telephone. Yeah, probably. And it's easy. It's an easy solution, yeah. right? Yeah, I remember when, uh, when, when Vumatel came to uh, install fiber um, at my, my uh, complex. They, uh, I, I said to them, "Can you can't you just pull it through these telecom ducts?" And they, <laughs> the Vimitel guy looked at me wide-eyed and said, "No, they, they, no, we absolutely can't." Do <laughs> I'm sure they've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's um, yeah, no, indeed. Um, so, uh, telecom describing this as a landmark judgment, and I suppose it is in some respects. Yeah. That this will now stop anyone who want, from want, from thinking of doing this from actually doing it. Exactly. Because telecom or anyone else could. Uh, could uh, force uh, uh, go to the courts, or they're mm, unlikely to go mm. to the courts in future, in, in light of the fact that there's been this judgment. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, court finding in favour of telecom and awarding costs to telecom, uh, and so Vodacom has to remove its uh, fibre from uh, from Denegia Estate. And the homeowners would be without fibre then, I would imagine, for a while until that gets resolved. Yeah, what happened? What I think actually caused the telecom to become aware of this and to. Uh, to be upset about it was apparently uh, Vodacom allegedly damaged Telcom's copper cable infrastructure while it was pulling the fibre uh, through and yeah. knocked five houses in the estate offline. Okay, well, that could be a problem. Yeah. So the question is, if they didn't do that, if would, they didn't, would, would they have known? Would Telcom have known about it? Yeah. I'm sure they would have figured it out eventually, but maybe they would have just kept quiet. But mm. I think they were really annoyed that uh, five of their customers were knocked offline because of Vodacom. Yeah. I, I guess that's a good enough reason to, to, to. It's a good enough example to see why you can't just have anybody installing anything in any duct in the ground. I yes. mean, you need to have the right permissions. Yes. But what I would love to see is these guys actually working a bit together and maybe having an additional pipe within a pipe that says, "Okay, this is open for." the estate or the road or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, to install additional infrastructure because in my road you know we've had two we've had MTN and 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 Vumatel yeah. playing MTN obviously had a different agenda I think they are connecting cell phone masts mm-hmm. but still I mean why have 
two people trench. Yeah. Um, it, it creates a lot of mess, wastes a lot of time, yeah. you know. And these pipes can be put in once, I guess, mm. you know, and you can subdivide them. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not in that, we're not in that business. Certainly, I think it makes sense for, um, for new estates, for property developers putting in new buildings, mm. new complexes, new residential estates to put their own ducting in because then it can be owned by the... That's a good point. ...by the uh, homeowners or by the, the estate or whatever it happens to be. Mm. Uh, and then, then uh, anyone can put their... So if you want two providers, they just put, yeah, put the yeah. cable... Because it's actually best, it's in your interest to have more than one fiber provider into your house. Let's exactly, face it. exactly. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a new way of thinking when you're building um, yeah. building a, a, a property or a state. Yeah. Uh, but we, I guess a lot of these guys would just yeah. install fiber from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we had the same issue with, uh, with fiber, actually. OpenServe, part of Telcom, uh, wanted to put in uh, fiber. Uh, Vuma, the complex had already agreed that Vumatel was going to trench the place. And uh, so I said to the residents um, at a meeting, you know, um, we've got the option as well of of, and I'm sorry, it actually happened after the meeting and I put it to the body corporate. I said, um, you know, we've got the option now of, of having OpenServe also roll out fiber. Um, this is after, you know, Vumatel spent a month trenching through the complex yeah, and yeah, yeah. getting everyone rather annoyed by the disruptions. Um, and uh, I, I was very much in favor of OpenServe coming in oh, because yeah. having two, uh, you know, two fiber providers into your house uh, allows you to play off the one yeah, against exactly. the other. Yeah. yeah, and they were willing to make the investment, even though Vumatel was already in there. Um, which was I thought was very interesting, mm. and uh, the body corporate said no, they don't want the disruption. Again, look, I mean, Vumatel is a, a very good choice, and uh, you can still choose your provider mm. on that. Mm. You can, mm. you can, on top of that, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. What, what you know, um, that wholesale price which the ISP pays, uh, you know, who ends up, you know, if you've got two providers, you can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You can, you can choose. If OpenServe cuts its prices, for example, um, you could switch to OpenServe. Um, yes. Vumatel yes. suddenly becomes more expensive. Whereas if you've only got Vumatel, then you're stuck with Vumatel. Mm. And if Vumatel becomes more expensive than OpenServe, no, sorry, then you're just going to pay more. Um, I suppose that you know, in the broader market, they'll try and be competitive with each other, for so sure, the price will come down. Sure. Uh, but still, you know, having choice. It's is, not. It's not. Um, I guess it's also. I mean, it, you understand the industry, so it, it, it is a bit of forward thinking. But for the guy on the street, you know, mm. if he's got the service by a reputable company, I think he's going to be more but than happy. They didn't want the disruption again. You know. And it, it's mm. not too bad to be stuck with Rumatel. I mean, I remember days when no, we were stuck with other companies. Yeah. Didn't I, have a choice. I'm, I'm just amazed that uh, two fiber providers are beating down my door to, <laughs> from three years ago when there was no fiber. No, didn't have anybody. Didn't yeah. have anybody now, yeah. now they're beating you down your door to get in. It's just remarkable. Plus, there's a third fiber provider coming down the street as well. Oh, interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. Fantastic. So, I mean, just a quick fiber update. How's your fiber been treating you? I mean, we, we like to gloat about this because it's just absolutely phenomenal. I love it. It still um, is. I absolutely love it. And um, we spoke on about this on last week's podcast, the 200 meg service. Vimitel has said nothing. I was expecting a statement this week. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes. About uh, the 200 meg service, but they've, um, they've said absolutely nothing about it. And the 1st of August is just a matter of days away. Hmm. Interesting. But we know that you'll upgrade and, and, and report back on the performance of that turn make line. As soon as it comes, assuming it's not ridiculously <laughs> priced, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> um, last story I wanted to chat about was WhatsApp and Messenger. So Facebook put out its uh, latest quarterly results this week, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg on the investor call said that uh, 
uh, he's going to be more um, aggressive uh, in monetizing instant messaging. Uh, and of course, they own those two big platforms. WhatsApp now has a billion monthly active users. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, Messenger is also huge, and um, they're now going to look to monetize that. But I was thinking about it. Um, if they start to monetize WhatsApp, isn't it just going to be really annoying? Yeah, I mean, I would like to think that Facebook is going to come up with some really interesting ways of doing so, like they do with Facebook. I mean, you can get you know, uh, unobtrusive ads on that platform. But yeah, how do you how do you successfully monetize something like that without making it annoying yeah. for your customers? I find Instagram really annoying now because of all the ads. In fact, I've stopped using Instagram because I'm just sick of seeing all these ads all the time. Every third thing is an Every ad. Every third person is an ad, yeah. You know. um, and the last thing I want to be doing is typing a message to someone in, in WhatsApp and then an ad pops up and gets mm. in the way of our mm. conversation. Um, and it's not like there aren't other alternatives out there. I mean, sure, WhatsApp is, 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 has become a standard. Um, but I, I've, I've got multiple messaging apps on my phone. In fact, let me just grab my phone here. I've got so many Close messaging. Tally and see. I've actually got so many messaging apps on my phone now that it's. Uh, um, where's my messaging? Here we go. So obviously I've got SMS. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hangouts. Hangouts. Yes. WhatsApp. Yep. Me- messenger. Telegram. Duo, which is more of a video thing. Yes. And Signal. Uh, hmm. I don't use Signal that much, but I use Telegram a lot. Uh, much more than I used to. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't, and I've never actually installed it to to try it for yeah. that purpose. Yeah, uh, Telegram's got a great desktop app, um, and I've got a few people now that I communicate with regularly um, on there. It's uh, the WhatsApp desktop app is, is not that great because it's kind of just like a web. Yeah, it's like a pop-up yeah. web browser. Yeah. I use it often, but it's it's not the slickest experience. I do use it as well, but Telegram is fantastic and. Um, uh, it was more secure, I don't know about now with WhatsApp's end-to-end encryption, but um, certainly Telegram was a very secure option. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got some really nice features in there that like, allow you to burn messages after a certain period of time. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, that is awesome. Um, te- but Telegram, is a, it's a really slick app, actually. It's, uh, uh, if WhatsApp was ever to, um, f- to falter, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Telegram rose and became an, the new dominant standard. Yeah, look, it's certainly not difficult uh, to make a switch if you have to. I guess yeah. it's just what, what your friends and your communities are using. That's the problem. Everyone's on WhatsApp. Mm. Everyone is on WhatsApp. Mm. Um, mm. But if uh, WhatsApp starts getting ads in it uh, and they're annoying ads, then I don't know. I think you'll find people starting to move to other platforms. Yeah, look, the trick is going to be how do they how do they inject that that those ads to, to monetize it without mm. alienating your customers. And on a messaging application... Because you're already, you want you don't want to be distracted by too many mm. bits of text. Or, I mean, I guess graphics is going mm. to be the way. I mean, mm. um, yeah, interesting. You know what? I'd actually pay to use WhatsApp, uh, not to have ads. It's maybe maybe that's a bring in a paid for tier. Everybody yeah. else for free service, you you mm. see the ads. That would be a good strategy. Yeah, like YouTube does. You pay ten dollars a month and you don't mm. see any ads. Um, that, I'd pay. I'd literally, I'd pay it. Um, I mean, uh, WhatsApp is a great platform. So many people yeah. use so many yeah. WhatsApp groups. Um, I would pay Facebook not to see ads in my message stream. No, I completely agree with you. And maybe that is where, I mean, how much would you pay for a good messaging app? 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks? Uh, a rand. A rand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah 50 rand a month. Mm. 50 rand a month, mm. not a once-off app fee. Oh, yeah, that would be even better, of course. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know if they'll be able to get away with the monthly fee structure on something like WhatsApp. It, it, yeah, that, I don't know if that would work. In my opinion. I mean, as long as there's a free tier. Um, yeah, as long as there's a free tier, which a lot of people would use, I'd probably see those ads. 
but it wouldn't it, it'll allow them to then move on because if if, if there are better apps out yeah. there and it'll probably give somebody else a chance to also mm. develop something that's not yeah it's just more I'm more suspected that it's not just gonna be it won't be ads in the stream it'll be more like what WeChat is doing um, getting companies uh, channels mm. and that sort of thing on the platform um, yeah so you, you're doing the platform into something yeah, better they're doing that with messenger already to some extent um, I mean I think WeChat leads in terms of uh, mm. in terms of um, that sort of um, monetization uh, games and all that sort of stuff that's built into the in-app purchase and that kind of thing yeah and allowing companies to use it as a platform to communicate with customers so you opt in almost mm. to the advertising look I would certainly I mean if WhatsApp became a platform where not only do you better communicate with people but you have these structures in place that allow me to plug it into various things so yeah. maybe it can be a conduit for for other platforms or other messaging platforms or um, I think there's a lot you can do with that and mm. yeah in that purchases give me the option to pay for a service or I don't know yeah. something within the application that expands a service. Mm. I can see value in that. Yeah. No, I, I, I strongly suspect that they that they, were, they won't be putting irritating ads in your message. Yeah, in the, in, the, in the line. They'll be thing. doing more what WeChat does. Um, and WeChat's been hugely successful. Mm. I personally don't use it because I don't want the Chinese government reading my messages. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's um, you know, they've done a very, they've got a very successful model there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Look, as, a, as I mean, if I put my business hat on, my marketing hat or my content development hat, and and if I want to, if I look at a, a, a service like WhatsApp and, and the kind of things that I could, what that I would like to do to reach an audience of WhatsApp, I mean, there there really is so much I think you can do. Mm. It's really interesting things, mm. but the fine line becomes how do, you know the, the fine line between irritating your customer to a point where they don't want to use the app like you see with Instagram in your experience, yes. or just something where, okay, this is going to add value to my life, like a, a WeChat mm. type of scenario where there's actually a reason for you to use it. Mm. The, the, you want to bring out uh, some of those other features. Yes. Interesting. Although, to be honest, as a, as a user of these services, um, I mean, as, an op- as the owner and operator of a website, Tech Central, I'd, I'd see huge potential in using WhatsApp as a means of distributing our content. Oh, yes. And, oh, and, yes. and generating traffic for the website. But as a user of WhatsApp, uh, I don't actually want all these peripheral services. All I want is the ability to communicate via chat. Mm, um, I agree. I, agree. I don't want all this per- peripheral stuff getting in the way. And if it starts to get in the way, then I'll, I'll start using Telegram instead. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, th- I think uh, Facebook, I, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that, that Mark Zuckerberg and the Facebook guys know uh, that it's not going to be uh, a simple case of putting ads into this mm. thing. It's, it, they're going to have to come, come up with clever... Uh, strategies for monetizing these platforms, and I think they are—they've probably got tons of ideas that you know, things we haven't even thought of. Oh yeah, mm. um, but uh, yeah, don't be surprised if you see changes to coming to your WhatsApp soon, as uh, as Facebook looks to monetize the or make back some of the twenty-two billion dollars <laughs> they spent <laughs> buying the company. Yeah, in the, the first money place. has to come from somewhere. Right? <laughs> uh, it's actually quite remarkable that they haven't tried to monetize it yet. Yeah, I think it, it, but I think also they were probably a bit, a, a little bit reserved in not doing so, simply because they didn't want to alienate too many yes. users without the without the perfect model. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. WhatsApp actually used to be used. To, you have to used to have to pay for WhatsApp on the iPhone. Yeah, there was I, yes and no. I, there was some. I don't know how it worked. I think some users may have got the prompt or some platforms, but I was on iPhone for a long time and I'd never got that. But there was pop ups. Maybe it was, I don't know if it was spam or maybe it was just they were rolling out these features, but I do know people that paid a dollar for WhatsApp without yeah. to get 
Mm. I think they were thinking of that as a monetization method mm. in the early days, and then they just they decided. Trying it, yeah. On Android, it was always free. Um, mm. but, but I mean, I also know, I never paid for it. Mm. So maybe it was a selective thing. Maybe it was an A-B testing, yeah. trying to figure out how, how to do that. It's had some message like, uh, you know, this is free for now, but we may be charging you $2 a year or something down the line. Yes. It's yes. Something like that. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I do recall that some users did actually pay for it. Um, but yeah, no, they've clearly gone for the free free model now, and that's obviously the best model to get uh, to get scale. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so that's our news. Uh, let's get on to our regular features. Um, uh, I thought I was struggling a bit to find a winner this week, and I thought I'd, uh, let me choose Andile Haber. Mm. Uh, he's just uh, sold his uh, stake in Dimension Data, Middle East and Africa. I think they had 25% through Convergence Partners. Um, it was a broad-based BE deal that was done all the way back in 2004. Um, hmm. So that deal ran for that transaction ran for 13 years, um, sure. and it was for, it appears to have been very successful for them. For, for both sides, um, but he's uh, sold out of that business now, um, and Convergence has sold out of that business, and Andile Nkaba has left Dimension Data. So Dimension so um, Dimension Data is now looking to do a new BE deal, and I spoke oh, to yeah. Grant Bodley, who's the CEO for Middle East and Africa, uh, on Thursday, and he said that uh, they are looking to uh, conclude a new BE deal by the end of October. Hmm. Uh, which they have to do because mm. their BE rating will fall from level two all the way down if they don't conclude the deal yes, by then. Yes. And they're also looking to do, and they'll be doing this specifically in the South African office rather than the broader Middle East mm. African mm. group. Uh, and they're also looking potentially to do an employee share incentive scheme uh, as part of that deal. Uh, but I win a Andile and Kaba because it just was a good deal for both sides. And our loser this week is Twitter. Um, they put out their uh, latest uh, quarterly numbers, and quarter on quarter, they showed precisely zero user growth. Look, I love Twitter. I love Me it. Too. My favorite social network by mine, mine far. Too. Mine too. <laughs> and I, I hate seeing stuff like this. Where you know, how do they not? How do they not grow? I mean, what? It seems like everybody's using it, or every, at least everybody in the know, everybody that at least everybody that I want to connect with. Mm. Um, I want to get people's opinions. Twitter is where I go. It's, um, it's not incredible. a it's not a social network in the sense of connecting family and friends, which yes, Facebook no, no, no. is. And I think the bulk of people just want to connect in yeah. that way. It's it's a way of connecting with journalists, with talking to politicians, with yes, yes. Um, seeing what business leaders are it's saying. It's a connected network of respected voices. Okay, yeah. I say respected because it's in, in inverted commas because well, there's Don, a lot of Donald Trump. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I mean, there, there would be exception to that one, but. It's, <laughs> I mean, you can ease. I mean, you follow the voices you want to hear, and I think that yeah. is so valuable without any fluff. I love the character limits. Mm. Um, I love TweetDeck as a as a platform. Oh, TweetDeck's fantastic. Just to be able to see a lot of information, I think it's one yeah. of the best ways you can get so much information, so much yeah. broad information, whether it's telecommunication technology, drone flying, gaming. I mean, mm. everything is there. Yeah, and you can you can be so selective in what you what you look at. Exactly. If someone starts exactly. posting junk, you just don't follow them. Yeah. But I've got. Um, you know, I, I've got three monitors on, on, on my desk in the office, and um, my right-hand monitor is just TweetDeck. It's dedicated mm, to Twitter. Mm. I don't do that for other social networks. It's open all day long, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm looking at it all day long. Uh, when, when I'm busy, really busy with something, obviously I won't be looking at it as often, but yeah, yeah. You, you kind of, having it on that monitor, you kind of get a sense when something important's happened. Um, it's a dashboard for the internet. I yeah, mean, if you yeah. look at what Reddit was and, and, and those kind of aggregators of the internet, Twitter is just an evolution of that for me, where you can you can flag the right things or the right keywords or the right people, mm. and those alerts will pop up, and 
like you said, for, for journalists in particular, I mean, you know when something breaks, when somebody tweets something from mm. the CEO of a company or the engineer for Apple, or it's like getting the news from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of fluff, and I guess um, in, with, with any social network, there's, there's the good and the bad. But Twitter, more than most, I find the information is better credible. Yes. Um, and you can get right right down to the person. Provided you follow the right people, of course. Provided you follow the right people. Don't, follow, the, don't follow the Gupta bots. Yeah, the no, jeez. But again, the, you've got this very tight ring fence, right? Yeah. If you don't follow anybody on Twitter, you're not going to see anything. So you add one person yeah. in the industry that you want, and then suggestions based on that. And that's kind of how I've been growing over the last couple of years that I've been part of that. Mm. Um, and that's why I like it so much. It's... It's enough of the good stuff. But it's not, as one analyst uh, put it, it's not um, it's not a mass market product like Facebook. It it, it appeals to a, ni- a big niche, um, but it's it's not the same. It's not as big in market as Facebook. Mm. I would like to think of it as a digital educated. You know, those kind of users like us, the geeks. It's it's a it's a serious social network mm. with with a relatively serious purpose. I mean, we use it for a little bit of fun, but. Yeah. This is about the world around us, the technology we care about. What's going on now? The industries we care about. It's a brilliant way for me to keep up with what's going on. Um, And I follow a lot of of journalists on Twitter. Mm. Uh, And it's a great way to see what's going on, what press conferences are happening, what people are saying, you know. Um, And, you know, I can quickly, um, I mean, this week, uh, Pravin Gordon was speaking at a... Um, at some event and was saying some interesting things. So, you know, I was, I was, I was sitting at my desk and uh, people were tweeting this. I thought, oh, that's, that's actually really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. So I fired up DSTV now, fired up uh, a news channel and then watched yes, watched yes. it live. Yes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even have known that was happening without yeah, Twitter there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a I great way that. of following what's happening in the news on a, on a real-time basis. I often catch end of conversations where somebody would, re- would tweet somebody back and that that reply gets my attention enough to, okay, what was this thread about? Mm. Go back and then I find the information that I, that, I, that I wanted. The other thing I'm finding more and more useful with Twitter is its search engine. Um, if I want to do research on something that's going on, oh, yes. um, it's so powerful, search.twitter.com. For example, EOH uh, on Thursday, it's share price dry rating all over the place. I want to know what's going on and what other people are saying about this. So I go to search.twitter.com, I type in EOH, and instantly I can see all all, what people are saying, what, what investors, traders, analysts, uh, you know, they're all posting on Twitter. What's going on? You know, this is our theory. Mm. This is, and you get a quick view of, of, um, of what's being said out there. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Twitter definitely feels like a, a, the kind of place you have a conversation where other social networks are, are really pin boards and notice boards, yes. if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So it's, just, it's, it's sad to see no growth, and especially in light of you know, all these bots coming on. You would mm. think that there would be some growth, mm. but I think if you're looking at real people uh, who use this platform, it, it's, I really hope to see some turnaround in this. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, they've got a huge base. By, I mean, it's 380 million active users. Do they need to grow? I guess that's a Do good they question. need to grow? I mean, if they start to go backwards, sure, that's a problem. Mm. Um, but 380 million people yeah i mean you just figure out ways of better monetizing that and because yeah. uh, the people that use it love it right yeah. so the people that are the, on there are constantly on there i mean mm. i'm on there more than any other social platform yeah it's my news source yes i mean if you if you if you were told you have to cancel um all of your social networks and you can never resubscribe to them but you can keep one mm. which one would you keep no twitter without twitter yeah Look, it'd be difficult to get let go of Instagram, and I, I do love Facebook for a lot of reasons. I think mm. it's really useful, but yeah, Twitter is the one that, yeah. without a doubt, you can't. Yeah. I keep can't it. Yeah, I'd be the same. Keep Facebook would be hard to let go of. Instagram, I could. No, I've got no feelings for. Um, just yeah, I still have a little bit of love for Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's something I use if I'm 
got time to kill standing mm. in a queue or something. But uh, you know, Facebook I find useful to you know what my Facebook friends are up to. Useful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I had to choose, I'd, I'd, I'd ditch them all in favor of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. I just this is something about beautiful text. Again, use TweetDeck if you haven't mm. used uh, it before. The interface is amazing. Oh, TweetDeck is the way definitely the way yeah. to go. Yeah. So I actually I find it. I don't. I don't know. Actually, really use, I don't really use Twitter on my phone. I, I use it if so, if I, I see a notification come in, but I don't. I don't really scroll through Twitter on my phone. I use Twitter on my phone as a, as as just reading my timeline, but on my desktop is because TweetDeck isn't on mm. on mobile devices. Mm. Um, but yeah, Twitter yeah. is definitely the it's main. It's definitely a weekday thing, though. I mean, on a Sunday afternoon, I'm really not interested in what, seeing what's on Twitter. Um, and I'm always interested. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always interested. <laughs> I've always got an eye on there. Because on a Sunday afternoon, people are, I don't know. It's a different audience, yeah, I guess. It's yeah. a different audience. It's much quieter as well. Um, I, lo- I love it on big events, though, if something major happens in politics or something, and then you f- f- open up your tweet deck and you just see this waterfall of tweets oh, streaming yes, so yes. quickly you can't actually keep up. Um, uh, it has, doesn't happen that often, but uh, and then you compare it to a quiet Sunday afternoon where one tweet drops in every three minutes. Yes, you know. yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, Twitter, we love you. Let's move on to our picks this week. Richard, what have you got? So the pick that I'm doing, I actually saw this beautiful device at MediaTek last week, and I got a little bit of hands-on time earlier this week with this absolutely phenomenal product. It's called the Insta360 Pro, and Duncan, you know my love for 360-degree photographs yes. and video. And um, it's, still a, it's still a platform that I experiment with on a daily basis because there's just so much you can do with it if you're into photos and video. But the Insta360 is essentially, and I'm just going to show you a photograph here, it's a little ball. It almost looks like the Nokia Oz, Ozio, I think that was what it was called. But this is an all-in-one camera that allows you to use it as a normal 360-degree camera. But what I really love about it is you can hook it up uh, straight to an external power source and to a network um, cable or wireless, but you can stream live from this um, camera, which compared to my rig, uh, Freedom 360 rig, which is uh, six, uh, six uh, uh, GoPro cameras, you, you are so limited in what you can do there because I need to manipulate each camera individually. With this thing, it's an all-in-one Set it up, go, you can live stream to the internet, uh, you can you can do tiny planet photographs, you can do full-on 360 immersive experiences. How much does it cost? Um, so the Insta360 Pro goes for roughly 55,000 Rand. <laughs> but if you compare that to my Freedom360 rig that I bought two years ago at 75,000 Rand, excluding the software, um, I'd much rather spend money on this now because okay. obviously the technology has matured. But right. yeah, I mean, 50 grand seems like a lot, but what does a high-end DSLR cost you? And again, mm. if, if, it, if it's purpose-driven, if you know that you want to use this for, I mean, I use this in business. Mm. I find it very interesting streaming for various companies and various yeah. people. Yeah. But just as a really high-end camera, I mean, it can, re- it can do 8K uh, oh, wow. 8K 360. Oh, wow. So I mean, you, you can't, if, if, you, if you just use YouTube, you'll have proper 4K 360-degree video. Yeah. 8K. Um, 8K is fantastic. That's going to tax yeah. your Vumatel connection. <laughs> we're That's what we have. <laughs> we're looking for something that could. <laughs> yes, yes. So, look, I'm, I'm trying to get one for a longer period of time. I did a, spend a little bit of time with it hands on. Um, it worked really. It worked well enough for me to say, yes, I think uh, I need to look at this more seriously. Okay. I'm just waiting for the next project to justify it. But yeah, insta360.com, definitely worth checking out if you want really cool 360 degree uh, photos and video. Cool. Go check that out. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I've actually got two picks this week. One of them is a podcast, as I mentioned in last week's show. I'm going to mm. uh, pick a, uh, over the next few weeks, I'm just going to pick some uh, of my favorite local podcasts because there's so, so many of them now that uh, that have popped up and some of them are really good. Yes. And I think it's important to share the love in the podcast oh, yeah. community. Oh, yeah. uh, last week I picked uh, um, uh, the, the uh, what's it called, uh, Justice Malala's show. Yes, uh, the, burning, uh, the, burning, the Burning Platform, burning thank platform, you, yeah. on Cliff Central. I'm actually going to pick another Cliff Central uh, uh podcast this week, and that's the Renegade Report. It's hosted by Ramon Kabanek and uh, Jonathan Witt. Um, Ramon describes himself as an anarchist, <laughs> and uh, John- Jonathan Witt is very clearly um, a um, right-wing conservative. Um, and um, <laughs> those sort of voices you don't really hear much, certainly in the U.S. you do, uh, mm, mm. Um, but you don't really hear them uh, in South Africa. Uh, yeah, on mainstream media. On mainstream radio stations and that sort of thing. Um, and they're, 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 <laughs> both guys are quite wacky, and I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy the, the interviews that they do. They've had some really good guests on, actually, uh, over the um, <laughs> over the, the months. I don't know how long they've been going. I think at least a year now. Um, but they've... Um, They've uh, they've had on some good guests like Helen Zilla, for example, um, nice. uh, and um, you know they, they they get on some in really interesting guests, not just local guys, international guys, uh, conservatives. Uh, they seem to they they don't seem to um, focus on um, people with one particular ideology. They'll they'll get an extreme socialist on nice, like one nice. week and they'll have a it's really open discussion right wing gun nut the next week. You know. Um, uh, so it, it makes for interesting listening, uh, um, and I, I enjoy it. It's just uh, it's it's uh, it's so unlike anything else that's mm. available in South Africa right Engaging now. Engaging content. You uh, might not agree with the, what the guys say or, or agree with their um, you know their political views, but um, you know it's it's a different view, and uh, 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 so I enjoy it from from that perspective. And they get great guests on, and it's thought provoking, which, which is what a good podcast should be, I suppose. Oh yes. And uh, my product pick this week is Adobe Audition, um, which I love it. we used to edit this podcast. Yes. And I'm picking it because the latest version, version 2017 of the Adobe Creative Cloud, uh, Adobe Audition Suite, uh, or mm, suite mm, uh, with mm. Adobe Audition 2017. It's called just it. Creative Cloud. Creative Cloud, yeah. Is, uh, is superb. Mm. Um, I've been uh, spending some time actually learning how to use the software properly. Uh, there's some great view, um, educational clips on YouTube. Adobe actually has some great yes. educational stuff as well. And uh, the, the stuff you can do here in terms of um, noise reduction and, and… It's Photoshop for audio. It is. That is really what it is. It's a great That's description. What I love it, yeah. yeah. And it, what, what's, what's nice about it as well is… is uh, if you don't get into all that high-end advanced stuff, it's actually so simple to use. Um, mm-hmm. if you want to create a multi-track session, you pull in the audio tracks, and you can actually edit a podcast without even knowing how to use the software. Yeah. Um, sure, if you want to start doing the more advanced stuff like you know noise reduction, and, and um, there's so much, there's tons of advanced stuff in there that I haven't even looked at yet or yeah, even yeah. thought I mean, about. You can manipulate anything of any audio, but yeah, uh, yeah. you can isolate individual noise pieces yes. or just enhance vocals. And, and drive down into individual tracks. And I, I, I haven't, I have to admit there's other quite expensive software out there for audio editing stuff, software like Wavelab and mm, um, mm. there's lots of other ones. Um, it tends to be packaged software rather than uh, the software as a service that Adobe has um, gone for now. Yeah. Uh, but Audition is easy to use, and um, uh, and it's, uh, I'm constantly blown away by how powerful it is. The more I dig into it, the more I can do. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm such a big fan of uh, the Adobe Creative Cloud. I use mm. almost every tool in that suite daily. Yeah. And um, that services model, it, it works. Yeah. You know, I'd much rather pay a little bit every month. Yeah. 
then I have software that in a year or two has to be replaced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know how often Adobe Creative Cloud updates their software. When there's a problem, there's a problem now with Lightroom. They're busy patching it and mm-hmm. rolling out an update. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, I've actually subscribed to it recently, and um, it's uh, it's not cheap, <laughs> especially when you convert it into RAND. But mm. uh, it's it's great stuff. Did uh, you go for the full suite, or did you just go for the individual product? Full suite. Yeah. yeah. About $69 now? Uh, well, I went for the individual one. Oh, uh, for the individual. Yeah, okay. $50 a month. Um, yes, yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, I mean, the, you get 20 plus 30, 25 uh, products. I'm not going to use them all. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm probably never going to use Adobe Illustrator, for mm. example. Mm. Um, but I, I use Photoshop intensively. I use Audition intensively. I'm going to use Lightroom, of course, more. And I'll probably start to use Premiere Pro as well. Yeah, um, Premiere Pro is absolutely fantastic. Just for personal video mm. editing. Um, yeah, look, with the trick with Creative Cloud is one or two products you can get uh, for $20 individual. So if you just use one or two products, the, the, the photographic side, the, the photo and Lightroom, you can get together cheap. for $10, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. But once you get to three or four products you need to use, it's cheaper to get the Creative Cloud subscription. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I use Photoshop and I use Audition intensively. So that's two. And mm-hmm. if you buy those separately, it's $40. Yeah, so you might as well Might get as well spend the extra $10 a month and get the whole suite. Because mm-hmm. uh, then I can, you know, you know, there will be other apps in there I can, I can use. I mean, I'm certainly going to use Adobe Acrobat. And I can, I can yes, Acrobat, obviously, mm-hmm. very nice in the business sense. And I can highly recommend uh, if, if anybody wants to, just better themselves in terms of graphic to look at uh, Illustrator. Illustrator is Powerful. daunting, but mm. man alive, what you can do with that thing. If you've got a Wacom tablet or something, then. Really oh, yeah, even know. better. Mm. And you, but you don't have to have a creative bone in your body. It's just the mm. fact, the, the way that you can, again, manipulate it. Think what you can do with Photoshop and photographs. Yes. Now, the r- other tools is the same thing for their respective industries. Yes. You know? yes. Um, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, Dreamweaver, I also use a, a bit, uh, not, not extensively, but. Uh, um, but all these other ones I won't use, InDesign, InCopy, Muse, Prelude, Scout, I mean, I don't know what half these things are. Media Encoder is also something you should look at. It's a very powerful tool, very highly underrated. Yeah. Uh, large, it, it? I mean, it's a media encoder, so you can take formats to different formats, oh, video, nice. audio. I mean, you probably won't need it if you're exporting from Audition, but if, mm. if you bring in outside... Uh, content, mm. uh, video and audio, and you want to, uh, you know, re-encode those, repackage it, make them uh, better encoding, you mm. know, smaller file sizes. There's so much you can do with media okay. encoder. Okay. Fantastic. Great stuff. I'll definitely have a look at that. So that's my pick, uh, Adobe Audition, and of course the Renegade podcast, Renegade Report podcast. Go check that out. And that is our show. Uh, Rachel, shall we do the quiz results? Let's do it. The first question. Um, following news that Andile Nkaba's conversions partners have sold a stake in Dimension Data Middle East and Africa, the IT services company plans to do a new BE deal for its South African business. When must it include this deal by? And the answer there, 31st of October this year. Second question, Telcom this week won a high court case against rival Vodacom, which was accused of installing fiber in its ducts in which Cape Town residential estate? And the answer is Denegir. The third question, which top female US technology executive is rumored to be the front runner to take over as CEO of Uber? The answer there is Meg Whitman. And Johannesburg finance MMC Rabelani Degada has promised that the city's broken billing system will be fixed by when? And that's by the end of March 2018. And the final question this week's quiz. Another German software company has joined SAP, SAP in being caught up in an alleged kickback scandal involving the Guptas. What is the name of this company? And the answer there is Software AG. Software AG. Second biggest uh, software company in Germany after SAP as a wow. matter of interest. 
And that's our quiz. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. We hope you like our new jingle, by the way. It's uh, quite funky. Very cool. I like uh, it. We like it a lot. Uh, let us know what you think about that. Uh, so until next time, from Rechard and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.